0: of a Pastor podcast with your host, Yurik. And yes, I am truly a grandson of a pastor. Again, I'd like to thank all of my listeners for downloading the Grandson of a Pastor podcast. Again, we are streaming on all your social media platforms. Uh, We are streaming more particularly on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Continue to like us and share us with all your contacts. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for listening to the Grandson of a Pastor podcast. Again, our foundation, we are imperfect souls on an imperfect walk, influenced by none other than our parents, grandparents, politics, politicians, and most importantly, our religious beliefs. Uh, Today, uh, we got a special guest who's going to join the podcast, Uh, none other than our brother uh, from my hometown, uh, brother John Banks. Uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself. Uh, strong brother in the ministry, uh, not afraid to speak his own mind, have his own opinions. Uh, you can you can follow him on all his social media things that he talks uh, and share his different opinions on different topics going on, not only in the community, but all over the world. Again, I'd like to thank all of my listeners for, again, downloading episode 41 of the Grandson of a Pastor podcast. And we're going to touch back on what we talked about last week also on this episode, uh, what we're going to talk about, let's start the restoration process in our communities. Let's start the restoration process in our communities. And I'm going to lead off with a scripture, and then I'm going to let Brother Banks introduce himself. And then we're going to have a, a mild uh conversation, uh, talking about our community, uh, the leadership, uh, the trial, uh, they saying of the century uh, with the... Uh, killing of George Floyd and a lot of different things that's going on in the community. Uh, so my scripture today would be from first Peter first Peter uh, the third chapter in the eighth verse where it says finally you all be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and be humble. I'm gonna read that again. finally all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic. Love one another, be compassionate, and be humble. So I got Brother Banks on here. I want him to introduce himself, give us some background to all of my listeners. Again, we are streaming on all of your different social media platforms. Brother Banks.
1: Good afternoon, grandson. Uh, good evening, grandson of a preacher. Yes, truly you are the grandson of a pastor. Grandson of a pastor, one of the most uh, humble pastors and leaders and teachers of our uh, community uh, in my time, and certainly a little older than I am, but he uh, pre- predated me a little bit. But uh, certainly, uh, your grandfather, yes, and uh, who was an awesome, awesome man. Uh, I'm, I'm John Banks, a uh, uh, former pastor myself. Currently, I am not pastoring the church, but I passed the church for 21 years. Okay. I've been a part of the uh, uh, NAACP and, and our community since 1985. Uh, been president some 30 years, and uh, currently uh, uh, president uh, had had a little challenge this year that uh, uh, from um, someone, and they didn't like the way it was going, so they sabotaged the election. So we're still in the base right now, waiting. For the, final, for the national comeback and com- conclude the election process. Yes. Um, I am retired federal employee, having worked uh, for the federal government for 39 years, and father of six children and grandfather of seven. And yep. there it is. There has you.
0: <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, you Again, I'd like to thank you for coming on the grandson of a pastor podcast. Uh, so we're going to jump right in uh, into this restoration process. But before we do that, I uh, want to get your opinion on what they call in the trial of the century, uh, brother. Derek, I ain't gonna say brother. I say a murderer, uh, brother Derek Chauvin uh, murdered George Floyd, and we ca- got some convictions. And what is your take on the trial?
1: Well, certainly, you know, a lot of people's upset with the, with the with the defense. Okay, I mean, I was saying if if the average brother had a defense like. Uh, this guy had, uh, Derrick Chauvin had, then, you know, many brothers wouldn't be in jail right now, right today. Uh, somebody picked up that tab. I don't know who picked up that tab. Probably the state picked up that tab to defend Derek Chauvin um, uh, in, in that trial. He did a good job. He did a good job except for toward the end. And, 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 that's, and that's what defense attorney, attorneys do, right? However, the prosecution did their job, too. The prosecution had to go all out to to have this man found guilty when we saw him murder the guy right before our eyes for nine minutes and 49 seconds, 29 seconds, nine minutes and and, and 29 seconds. We saw that. The whole world saw that. But in this this country, we are... innocent until proven guilty. We hope, we would love for that to happen and apply to us as African Americans. We are guilty until proven innocent, and nine times out of ten, we're not going to even prove our innocence even though we're innocent. Yeah. So, you know, the deck is the stacked against us. The, I, I, I enjoyed the prosecution. They were ready for it. Uh, Jerry Blackwell was ready. All of the uh, uh, people on the prosecution side was ready. They had to have all boroughs uh, smoking uh, in order to convict that guy. Uh, you know, as they said, uh, how they got that diverse jury, that's a mess that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, you yeah. know we, we, we go before all white juries. But one thing about this jury, whether it was all white, whether it was all black, whether it was the, the, the makeup and it was, it was a good makeup. Uh, I don't know how that happened. I don't know how they pulled that off. But the jury came up with the direct verdict, with the correct verdict. And in many cases, we find that uh, police police was above the law. Uh, but this time, it was proven that police was, uh, 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 wasn't above the law. When they're talking about this uh, uh, immunity thing, uh, qualified immunity. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's something that, I mean, golly, I, I don't understand. I hadn't been able to really come out and talk about that qualified immunity, that police officers cannot individually be sued. But how in the hell do we set up and allow police officers time after time kill black people, paying $27 million, and they keep their job? Yeah. Come on, man. They, they keep their job, $27 million, $5 million, $10 million, whatever the millions are, they keep their job because police officers are above the law. Everybody can get sued. I mean, you know, I work for the federal government. I work for the, uh, and it was as simple as, uh, what's the Family Medical Leave Act. If we as managers, I was a manager, if we as managers did not offer employees family medical leave, we individually can be sued. Yes. And you're going to say, for something as simple as that. Yes. You know, and, and yet a police officer can kill um, uh, innocent people uh, and, and and they um, uh, and they can get away with it. I, I listen to, and I don't want to, talk to you, just cut in anytime. time. Yeah. I listened to, uh, uh, this morning I was up in Indianapolis and uh, I was listening to a, a Roman Al show uh, and a uh, uh, lot to be desired there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On oh, his radio show, a yeah. lot to be desired there. But uh, he had one guy to come on and say, I mean, some of these, and they were black people yeah. coming on the radio, on, on, on the show, commenting, they was, and we might get on the COVID-19. We may get on the vaccination and all that crazy-ass conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff. But the guy was saying that, that the police officer had no other choice but to kill that woman that had a knife. I mean, he just got out the car and started killing. Come on now. I mean, my, my thing is, what is the hairy? What is the hairy? See, when we started giving police officers a pass, when we give them a pass for one thing, we just we just continue to give them a pass, and that's why they continue to get off the hook, even when we see a George George uh, uh, Floyd. And some people, some black people, will probably say George Floyd deserved it.
0: Yes, yeah, that's that's one thing I would say about anytime time uh, we are put on trial, they try to muddy the waters with our past, yes, what we have done, and we all, as humans, black and white, yeah, uh, have some skeletons in the closet, and and that's when they really come out. Uh, when they are, you, when you put on trial because they try to demonize a man for his past. But yeah. thank God that uh, we we was able to get a verdict that was just uh, a little bit. I, I thought uh, that it, they should have charged him with first degree. But uh, after reading things, you, it had to be premeditated. It, it'd been hard to get a conviction yeah. on a first degree murder charge. So I'm pleased with the thing, and I and I tell people. Uh, when he talking about the sentencing process, they're gonna run the they're gonna run them together. Uh, I know they' saying forty plus years or whatever. I don't see that uh, being the case uh, because they're gonna run them so together that I, I see uh, the best case scenario is he do about fifteen uh, yeah, and he got a uh, a clean record too. so I mean that's that's gonna be the thing that's gonna save him when it comes to the sentencing process. I believe
1: and, and but you know and 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 of course uh. Yeah, that, that's going to be what saved him. But when he brought up Floyd case in twenty nineteen, yes, they didn't bring up Chauvin's in twenty seventeen. Correct. Correct. What he did, a black, a fourteen year old black guy, kind of how he did George uh, Floyd. You yes. know, he 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 has a habit of mistreating black folk like that. Now they said he weighed one hundred forty five pounds. If he weighed one forty five, then I understand. Uh, I understand his mentality. He has a Napoleon complex. He's a little guy. Yes. that sticks his chest out and exercises power behind the badge. And he does brutal, nasty, evil stuff to show that he's a man at whatever height he is. I haven't looked that up, but they said 145. You know, that's all that was on George Floyd's neck. But uh, I'm sure 20 pounds could kill a man or 10 pounds if you lay it on your neck for nine minutes and – Twenty nine seconds or forty nine seconds, you know, with a killer man. But yeah, they couldn't. The, the, his his past and nineteen other infractions, the jury couldn't hear those. Yes, but he was allowed to talk about George Floyd. So even in the trial of the century, there was still some injustice in how black people' background can be exposed. Yes, but the white man can't. Yes. Law enforcement
2: can't.
1: Yes, that's qualified immunity. Well, I don't know if it's qualified immunity or not. I mean, it couldn't be bought out, couldn't be held against him yes. if they didn't know prior to, and if they knew prior to, then they wouldn't have been able to serve on the jury. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's gonna serve maybe uh uh uh. It's gonna be what oh, forty five. I think the biggest sentence was forty years, so they can run concurrent. So the ten years and the and the fifteen years will go together and still be forty max and as you said, probably serve uh, 10, 15 at the max. Uh, but one thing about it is he's gonna serve time.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And so after we get talk, we've we been talking about the trial, so let's get on on our community. Uh, I talked last week about uh, the killing in, in, in low-income neighborhoods. And I was talking about the upbringing of, of, of people uh, in low-income communities and where the leadership has gone. Because I remember growing up, we had strong men that were there uh, that guided us. And now I think that that leadership is no longer there. And it's it's not the lack of men there, it's the lack of people wanting to get involved uh, with these young men and women these days. Because here in Louisville, as I said last week, we got over uh, 50, homicides here in Louisville alone and this this trend is trending up in all the communities across the country what is some what are some things that you are you are seeing uh, guess, uh overall on how we can get a handle of this thing
1: well you, you know it, oh, we, as we talk about systemic racism right, right. it is it is systemic right. in our neighborhoods about uh uh, what do you call it, and this generational curse right now about the things that's going on in our community. Your grandfather uh, had his own business. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and a very, very honorable business. Uh, even when he was old, he still had that steady hand. Yeah. <laughs> they did the signs on uh, all the signs and on the buses and church buses and church vans and uh, business doors. And he, he did all that. That was an honorable profession, right? And many other people had honorable profession. It, it was a, it was an article that I read all oh, years ago, maybe 30 years ago. Can the black community be saved? And the answer was yes. And how can it be saved? Will it be saved by the black people that were back in the day that your grandfather, my grandfather, Lord and your grandfather, uh, of uh, 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 staying in the neighborhood, right? But we don't yeah. stay there anymore, right? There was the people that was considered the pillar of the communities. They were, the, believe it or not, there was the sleeping car porters, yeah. there was the waiters, there was the school teachers, there was the preachers, and there was the mailman. See, back in the day, you know, mailmen uh, in a lot of places delivered mail, especially though there wasn't rural. Rural that was basically ran by white people rural carriers, uh, but uh, city delivery was basically ran by black people because of the elements uh, that they had to go through to do the 1896 here in Hopkinsville, the first four black uh, first four black city delivery were black men yeah. uh, in 1896 uh, when they started city delivery. So, uh, but then by 1932, it was uh, said that another black person would not be in the post office again in Hopkinsville. And when that 1932 happened, I think uh, it was Solomon Anderson was the last one. And then they didn't hire any more until 1958 when they hired uh, Robert Banks and Clarence Bibbs Sr. So uh, that's the way it was because the job became a civil, it was a civil service job yeah. and they were paying very well. So what had happened to the black community? OK, we had schools, we had businesses, we had all that in our community it was self-contained right? Even the nightlife, we didn't have to go outside our community. We had our own Blue light district. We don't have that anymore. But more importantly, we had, it was kind of like a, a job, full employment. We, we unemployment uh, for us. And what hadn't happened then was a whole lot of mass incarceration uh, for us. Uh, even though from the Jim Crow era in the 1870s, uh, that's when they started getting us, and they started the cycle all over again with all these voter rights Act and all these anti rioting bills. And, all, and when we only simply protest, and they started all over again to take our constitutional rights away from us of uh, by uh, having us convicted as felons. Yes. Uh, when they started that war on drugs, yes, and uh, you know, a lot of people talk about the welfare system. I don't, I don't blame. Uh, the welfare system. First, say when people say that uh, they was it was easy for uh, uh, it was it was uh, uh, that the system divided the black family by giving women money to have babies and keep the father out of the family. I don't I don't I don't buy that. Uh, I mean, you know, I never had a study. I never studied that. Uh, in the class of sociology and thing like that, I just don't uh, buy it to be true. True enough, back in the 60s, when women were having babies out of wedlock, they had programs under the Great Society to keep them going. Yeah. you know uh, that they can go to school, go back to school to become nurses, and yeah, you know it was getting a little bit money. But then, as soon as Johnson administration did all that, Republicans started. And I will say this, Republicans are some of the dirtiest, lowdowns, rottenest politicians there are. And anybody Republican, I don't give a damn if you are or not, you cannot believe in that ideology. And uh, I'm rambling a little bit, but folks talk about, oh, they're conservative. They're they, they against socialism and they for owning rights and they for uh, anti-abortion. Come on now. It's more to life than, than, than abortions. And I, I don't believe in abortions either, but I'm a Democrat yeah. I don't believe in, I don't, I don't believe in, and I, I believe everybody should have a right to own a weapon,
2: yeah.
1: but Republicans don't. they Second Amendment people, but that Second Amendment don't include black people. That's why they have us, charge us with felonies Yes. to take away our voting rights and right to bear arms. Yeah. And for a black person to say they're Republican and Republicans are for the Second Amendment, no, mm-hmm. they're not. Second Amendment already been compromised when, from 1870, when black folk down south was was was, was uh, uh, holding elected office, even governors and lieutenant governors. I'm talking about governors of states and lieutenant governors of states. We think of something now when we hear a black, well, the first black senator from Georgia. Yes, uh, Warnock is, but he wasn't the first black from the south. Back in we talk about Rivers and. Uh, some of those other guys uh, were were uh, under, the, under the 41st and 42nd Congress, yes. U.S. Congress. You saw those black people riding in the D.C. on their horses. There's a lithograph of them. So we, we've had them all along. But what white people did, just like they're doing now in the South, in Georgia, in Florida, in Arizona, passing laws to make us felons again to um, – to take away our voting rights and because we're getting too powerful. The black vote, even though we're 13%, only 13.7% of the people in the United States, if we vote in the block, we can sway any election locally and a lot of states locally, statewide, and on the national level, as we join the other progressives uh, throughout the country. What's happening, I'm, I'm getting off subject, but what happens to the black community? How can it be saved? Yeah. Well, we gotta come back. We gotta take on the ship. We gotta, we gotta close the achievement gap. What is that? Well, we got to make sure our kids learn like they did then, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Even back then, uh, and you probably know some, even though you're a young guy, but you know some of the people that went to West Kentucky Tech down in Paducah. Yeah. You know, those people who went to be tailors and barbers and beauticians, you know, they went to West Kentucky Tech in Paducah, bricklayers and carpenters, right? Yeah. Those who didn't go to Kentucky State University, you know. Uh, so we, we encourage people to go beyond high school, those who made it through high school. Encourage yeah. that. And a lot of us got disappointed when they said, Well, you're not college material. I don't know why they said that. You know, uh, my postmaster one time told me I wouldn't see the carrier material. That was a lie. He didn't want me to be a carrier, he wanted me to be a clerk, he wanted yeah. me to work on the inside. Yeah. And so, you know, I became a postmaster. But that's 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 his way of saying that. I'm glad I didn't deliver mail myself, but <laughs> 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 but 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 so you know, you can tell, I mean, just like I worked a job course a center. For eighteen months, uh, I used to tell those guys, "Look, you can make a lot more money than me, because the only thing I'm gonna do is a white collar job. Yes. But if you learn the trade and the skill, right, and that's what we gotta teach our kids how to learn it. We gotta teach them about financial, uh, uh, uh financial that's- literacy. Yes, I'm yes. sure you're gonna get on that at some point. Financial literacy, how to save money, how to buy money, how to buy product, how to be patient, right." Yes. Press for time rate time time divided by time equals monthly payment how to do all that how to pay your bills what 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 equals so it is a combination of things that we have to do Yeah, me and me it takes a village and all of us have to be a part of the village especially when we have some leadership when we have some intelligence when we can show uh, some people and believe it or not people want to be encouraged yes uh, they, they want to be taught.
0: And, I, and my thing with these youth these days, I, I think, uh, this is just my opinion, I don't call them the lost generation, but they, we are losing them. And I, and I say that the, the age group that we're losing is between the ages about 23 to about 32. And me and my buddy, we talk a lot of times about this is the generation that's going to, going to save us. They're the ones who are going to pay our social security and they don't want to work no more. I just, I don't see the work ethic that's in these kids anymore. And I don't know how we can get that back uh, in our communities, and even not, even outside of our communities, because kids don't want to work. If you're going to your local Kroger's now, when I was growing up, it was always teenagers in there, bagging groceries, cashiers, clerks. Now you got adults doing what teenagers used to do.
1: You know, um, one thing about that is, that that is, that is true. Yes. Uh, but, but one thing about that is, those those adults doing it now, well, once the teenagers, as younger than me, right? Yes, they had their bad years too, yes. and so now they're the age, and that's the job that that's that's for them now. But when we started paying a a, a living wage, yes. I, I think it, it things will open back up. If you know Republicans again against a living wage, against fifteen dollars now, they ain't but thirty thousand dollars a year, thirty two thousand dollars a year. That ain't no money, yes. you know what I saying? And, and so, but 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 what 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 happens is, and I mean, I'm going to back up a little bit. My oldest children are 44 years old. My twin daughters are 44 years old.
2: Yeah.
1: I remember, you know, some two, three, four, five years above them and two, three years below them when they graduated, I was still dealing with the youth of the NAACP.
2: Yeah.
1: At one time, even the Pioneers Incorporated here in town, a group of, uh, African-American men that used to be into the youth as well, starting in the 1950s, right? And they used to have uh, a bowling league that they had kids, baseball. Those are the type of things that we got to bring back to our community too. How can we do it? Everything all, all people want to do now is play basketball. If they can't play basketball, they lost, right? Yes. You know, if you playing football, I understand this past year, Christian County football and hop-down football, a lot of guys didn't want to play football. So, you know, uh, uh, and so then, you know, the teens were not that that good. But we got to introduce sports back into it. Getting back to when I was dealing with my children and the youth, all of those people, uh, most of them, uh, they uh, went on to, of course, they in the forties now, such as mine, and some close to fifty. Um, I'm in my sixties, but uh, they uh, they went to college. Yes. Or they went in, in, in armed services. Yeah. Those who were in armed services retired.
2: Yeah.
1: They retired. But while they was in service, I don't want to call some of them names, but um, unless I overlook some. But while they was in service, uh, I've kept up with them now because social media. They got bachelor's degrees and some master degrees. Yeah most of those, most of those girls, I remember I had 35 girls and 35 boys. I had the, primarily in the NAACP youth was girls. And the pioneer mentoring program was all, all men. And we met twice a week. And uh, of course, uh, some of the people and some you knew uh, had some issues with that because I made the pioneers uh, feed them every two weeks. Uh, so after the meeting, then we ate. So uh, yeah, and and you know, I fed the kids. But the point of matter is we got a lot of mileage out of that. The ones who wanted one or two that didn't go to school were still smart as a whip. And yeah. I could, I could name I could name them. Right. One guy right now is, a, is, um, a, which, which was my mentee, uh, uh, was, got in trouble a little bit. And then, uh, Mr. Bill's mentee got in trouble. All the rest of the guys for the most part didn't. Uh, but, uh, uh, Myers is, is a great young man now. Of course he'd been to jail. He'd been to prison, but, He's doing great, got a great mind, and he makes he make money legally. And uh, he's an outstanding uh, young man. Um, and his parents trust me to, they, to call me over to the house yes. and to talk to him, you know, because he was my mentee. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I say this about the African-American men. Uh, every African-American male needs a father figure in their life. It don't have to be the daddy. Yes. If the daddy's absent, let it be an uncle. Let it be, a, you know, or, or, or a big cousin or, or grandparent. All of them need a uh, father figure in their life. And if not, a trusted friend, yeah. you know, that can inspire and encourage uh, the young man. Now, do these young people listen today? Nope. But you know what? We can't give up on them. Yes. Yeah. 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 That, that's how we... That's how we save. That's how we transform our community.
0: Got gotcha, you. Got gotcha. uh, Before we get off the air, I want to talk about as we continue to transform the community in, in different ways, how can we, uh, as a people, get the sense of ownership back in our communities? Because now uh, they, they, they're, they're moving in, in a lot of big cities. They're moving us further out. And now they're coming back in. How can we... Uh, have the pride that we used to have in our communities, to, so we can stay in our communities, clean up our communities, stop the violence in our community.
1: Okay, I'm 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 gonna use one word, and I'm gonna try to expound upon that. Okay, undervalue.
0: yeah
1: undervalue. What what is undervalue? Number one, we undervalue ourselves and each other.
2: Yes.
1: Number two, we undervalue our property. I mean, I own real estate, I own houses. I own, you know, some people think I'm a good landlord. I'm calling me a slumlord, especially when they don't want to pay me my rent. I'm a yeah. slumlord, you know what I'm saying? But, but, uh, but to say that my property is only worth $10,000. Yeah. But across town, even, even the, town, the size of town that uh, that's not any more progressive than my side of town, Is worth thirty
2: five
1: thousand. Yeah. So a person said, "Who gonna pay thirty five thousand dollars in the black community for that?" Well, thirty five thousand dollars still a good price for a fixer upper, right? But we don't even we 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 don't even value our 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 property enough to transform. When I was saying to move back to the community, where we talked about home ownership. Yes, they move us out because of gentrification. Land is getting high, and mainly in big cities like Louisville and, and a lot of other cities. Uh, they taking our land, urban urban renewal is urban revitalization, what they used back in the 60s and in the 70s. Yeah. They call it an illegal term now gentrification, right? Yeah. So they take our land and then they come back in and they redevelop, it and then we can't afford to stay there. And then those who they'll let they will wind up condemning our property and moving us out when they're when the projects there they turn down the projects and in the name of uh, uh redevelopment and you know it, i mean it, it has its, I, I don't know if it has its merits or not but you know but yeah. you got to have affordable home uh, ownership you got to have a little sprinkling of everything within the community to make the community uh homogeneous as possible right and uh you, you know you, you got to have uh, a mixture of all kinds of people. And, you know, so the weak birds the infirmity of the, the strong per- birds the infirmity of the weak, yeah. right? So those that are strong, I mean, without me quoting the scripture, right? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> bird the infirmity of the weak. And uh, so we lift them up. As a, saying, as, a, as a saying says that if you're looking down on people, someone, you all be looking down to pick them up. So th- those are the other type of things we got to do they, yeah they, they're, they're doing that. we have to stop that. We have to again learn about financing, yeah. financial literacy, buy property and also get rid of redlining. Well when you got white people coming back in, then my value the problem with my value goes up it should have been up in the first place. it should never uh, appreciate. yeah when people start owning homes as opposed to landlords, absentee landlords that doesn't care about the property. You know, they try to uh, pass a landlord ordinance around here and I don't have no slums. I, I don't have no shacks. Right. But I'm totally against it because the way I've been dealt with some of these tenants, right. Hell, they look at, they ain't sleeping up on the bridge. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If they want to pay to live in, in one of those shacks that uh, a white man own, that you can that you can literally see through the walls and through the floors and pipes busting and, And you got the leaky faucets and your water bill is high and your utilities is high. Because, you know, then what you got to do, go to PACS and and get some assistance to pay your utilities well. You know, yeah, it's there to help you through those months. But you live still living in a shack, right? But if you were responsible and to get a job. And I'm not putting down no brothers because I don't do that, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really encouraging, but if uh, but I'm talking about those people who refuse to be yeah. responsible yeah, to the point sure. that they can't live no better yeah. and they look at they got that, right? Roach infested and all that kind of stuff. Part of that is the tenant too, but, but a roach infested place, right? Well, you ain't got to live there.
2: Yeah.
1: And if you want to get out of that, you and two people get together. Y'all split the rent, learn how to live together, yeah. do like other people do, have yeah. multiple families in the house together. Yes. Yeah. And then and you help each other get out of that situation. That's what we need to do. You know, when there were two and three generations of folks staying with Big Mama. Yeah. You know, we gotta do some of that, but respect Big Mama. Yeah. <laughs> you
2: know
1: what I'm saying? <laughs> Daughter respect Big Mama, uh, granddaughter respect big mama. Yeah, and then you know, because you, you know. As I used to say, we are me, me and my children. Okay, you're living right here. Yeah. When you leave away from here me, this left hand, you shouldn't be going down because you already had that as a start. You are be uh, uh, exceeding what I provided for you. You got to build up on that foundation. Yes, and that's 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 what um, what we have to do.
0: Yeah. Before I get out the air, I wanted you to talk about uh, shortly on how the church can help in the process of this re- restoration process when it comes to uh, getting our communities back, when it comes to voter registration, when it comes to uh, getting some of these felons re-registered, uh, when it comes to stopping the violence, how can the black church in the black community Get this started, because that's where it all started. What, in, can the, what can the church do?
1: Okay, Back in the day, that's where it all started. Civil rights movement came out of the church, right?
0: Correct. Right.
1: But at, 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 after, after we got free, so to speak, in 68, Dr. King got assassinated. Of course, they was against Dr. King, and, and many of the black Baptists was against Dr. King and the Southern Christian Leadership Movement and the civil rights movement, right? You know, he's a troublemaker and all that. So those are the people who got the slave mentality, right? And as I say all the time, I ain't never had a slave mentality. They say, well, you're a Christian, you have a slave mentality. No, I don't know where you get that from. I don't see a slave, I don't see slave mentality or anything promoting slavery in the Bible. Yes, uh, uh, the white man, the master used that, but it's not there. If you read the Bible, if you prayerfully read the Bible, you don't see that. (laughs) <laughs> you don't see no promotion of slavery, and then too you're talking about. I mean, it's just not there. The black church, you got to have some bold leadership, have some bold uh, pastors. But you know, let's get back outside the church for a minute. Even in the in the, in the black community, about the leadership in the black community, the board of leadership, you got to mention that black people don't want to be free. They don't want to be empowered because when when they when when a black person, a strong leader comes out. You have, you the white man don't have to do anything. As Carter G. Woodson said in the Miseducation of the Negro, right? Yeah. If you tell the black man to go to the back door and ain't no back door, uh, ain't no back door, there is no back door. The sure essence of him and his mentality, he's going to make a black back door, right? Yeah. So the, the, the black man don't have to, the white man don't have to do much to us because we're doing it to each other. I mean, you know, I was telling you about me and the There's so many things. Yes, I brag about it. I've done a lot of things uh, back in the day and years. But the the, the 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 greater we got included in the process, yes, uh, they make they play a game of chess, or I said chess, checkmate us. I mean, uh, what they call it in chess, chess. Uh, uh, you, you know, when I can't move anymore. <laughs> <laughs> They, yeah, that's exactly. what they call it, the checkmate, right? The yeah, checkmate. Yeah, you play a game of chess, right? You move, they lock it up. You can't move no more, right? So yeah. the more things change, the more they remain the same. But then out, out, what's in the church, you got people in the church. The ones in the church need to be bold. Even if the pastor isn't into the civil rights, it isn't into a, a business, isn't into education, right? You got to encourage and influence that pastor or that church who everyone listened to. Just yeah. speaking from the pulpit. Yes. Yeah. All right? They don't – the late Reverend Bagwell used to say it to me uh, that uh, when he used to hang around me all the time, he would say, John, I, I, I just don't know. So he was relying on me to feed him, to educate him. That's what we got to do. We got to educate our pastors. Do not allow our pastors to be ignorant, but give them don't, don't, don't let him have to do all that research. Do it for him. Don't assume he know because he's a pastor of the church, because they don't know. Yeah. Me being the a pastor, they've told me down through the years. Your grandfather probably told me that we don't know. Tell us. Yeah. Feed it to us, right? Yeah. In the ministers, deacons and layman's alliance, that alliance that we had, that your, your grandfather was so faithful in in the two districts, one on Friday night and one on Monday nights. You know, when when I would come there to give them information. They gladly received it.
2: Yeah. And,
1: but what, what happened is we can talk it, but we need to give them something in the hand. Yes. You know, don't, 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 don't give them, make them more powerful than them because they do, have, they do have to feed the sheep, feed the flock with the word of God to empower them to, uh, uh, to endure the hardship of the day. Now, what we're supposed to do is go in and get empowered. Yeah. I mean, what they said, we come in to worship, we go out to serve. So then if those leaders of the black community, and we got to come together because we, we just pick them off one by one. Uh, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't want black people to be bold. We're afraid of strong leadership. I know my uncle says all the time about uh, Nikki Giovanni says that if you're black, don't do what you do very well, very well because it, it scares the hell out of white folks and make black folks angry as hell. You know, so white folks are scared from powerful black people doing things very well. And if you see right now, the black woman is the most, ha- uh, per capita, ha- most high, highly educated person in these United States, bar none.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: And look, look how they're coming up. Look how they're rising up. Now, a lot of them need some strong black men behind them. And when we as strong black men get behind one, let's not get behind to pull her down because we can, black men can pull down a white, a black woman quicker than a black woman can pull down a strong black man, Yeah, you know? And, and, and so, but the thing about it is about unity. The pastor's got to be empowered preaching from the pulpit, but they they're not going to do it because they're afraid that they're going to fail on the preaching. So they have to identify, the pastor's going to have to identify folk in their churches to be uh, what you call, um, to to, to, to minister, to learn how to minister to the whole body of man. man. Mind, body, and spirit, right? The mentality, the physical, and the spiritual. That's what we're supposed to do. Son of a pastor, a grandson of a pastor, that's what we're supposed to do. All right, we're supposed to minister the whole body of man, yeah. and when we do that as black people, what we see in the black woman do, all of us can be able to do it. We are oh, by the way, and I know you're going to get on this in some other segment episode, right? And the Biden administration, the infrastructure passed the two trillion dollars. Uh, uh, uh Alexandria Cortez, uh, uh Ocasio Cortez said it needs ten trillion dollars, right? Yes, yeah. okay, well. It's gonna open up, talking about jobs, good jobs, good paying jobs, right, infrastructure.
2: Yeah.
1: It's gonna be there. Black people are gonna have to get message. They're gonna to start applying. Otherwise, we're gonna come up with that same old mess that we say all the time, the last hire and first fire. Why are you gonna be the last hired first fire? You are being the know. And black people who are in the know need to pass information. Ain't nothing worse than the person having the knowledge and not spreading it. Absolutely, not sharing it.
0: absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, again, you are listening to the Grandson of a Pastor podcast with your host, Yurik, and yes, I do uh, have a brother, John Banks, on giving real knowledge about the community, uh, the government. Uh, before we get off the air, I will have brother John Banks uh, give our, my listeners a tidbit of something they can carry on uh, throughout the day, throughout the week, and throughout the year.
1: <laughs> well, you know, and that, you got me on that I wouldn't prepare that, but, but let me... Uh, uh, Since you're the son of a grandson of a pastor, you you know, your granddaddy told you you shall always have a word, right? (laughs) What what I'm gonna say is that it's just something that that seemed like is a cliche, maybe a few things, a couple of things of cliche, right? Yeah. If I can believe it, I can achieve it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. What someone else can do, what someone else has done, yes, if they've done it correctly, I can too. Right, yes, yeah. the African proverb says, I speak, therefore I am. So I speak it into the position and in existence of therefore I am. I am who I am, therefore I speak. Right? So if you are powerful, yeah. then you speak truth to power. Yes. Yeah. If you can uh, conceive it then you got to believe it. If you fall down, on your face, roll over on your back and look up. And if you look up, you will see up. And if you see up, you can get up. All right. So it's all about moving forward in life. Don't let nothing, don't let no ball and chain hold you back. Pick the lock. You know what I'm saying, but but uh, you you know we we just got to have confidence in ourselves. Yes, and um, I discovered down through the years that some people get by on purity bullshit, and I'm talking about white folk All right, and it it ain't it it ain't always what they know is who they know. Yes, and they can bullshit their way on through, and we got to be. And it's it's not a cliche when they said that we got to be twice as smart and all that but then they say you overqualified then i mean it's a no-win situation but it's no but but we got to win we need to file civil rights complaints we hadn't fared too well on the previous administrations certainly not upon this past one and you know just like republicans are going back to roll back all of our gains from what's that reconstruction reconstruction you're talking about transformation reconstruction after the Civil War to the Jim Crow era, we were progressing. We had land, we, we had money. Everybody here wasn't enslaved in the first place. And uh, and the Indian was here for the white people who were talking about, take, we want to take our country back. I'll give it back to the Indian. That's who. But the black man was here before the Indian was, because of one blood God made in all nations the boundary of that scripture too. The boundary of their habitation was determined before a point in time. If you believe in the Adam and Eve story, then you believe that Adam and Eve were black, born in where they were, where, where, where Adam and Eve and the garden of Eden was uh, eels, were eels, then you know they were black. And all that man that was born of woman was born of Mother Eve.
2: Yeah.
1: She's the mother of all mankind. And so then therefore the black man was here before the Indian. The black man was the nobles. When they saw so the Vikings, they were all black people. They was all over the world. That's why you still see some indigenous people in the remote parts of the world right now that still got their woolly hair and all that kind of stuff. And they're the original people that migrated in Antarctica and all those places. Yes. Like, if you go over in Europe and Asia, you'll see the, the Buddhas and stuff like that, the black features. They're old in time. They're black. Yeah. Real people know that everybody came up out in the black. Straight up out the black woman and man. <laughs> 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 we got to take our place back. And the reason why we so enslaved over here is because of our disobedience to God. Yeah, we are the true Israelites. Them, they ain't white, them white people over in the Israel they ain't true Israelites. And that who ain't no Israelite. He ain't a true Israelite. <laughs> ain't a true Jew yeah. that's us <laughs> yeah.
0: again you're listening to the grandson of a pastor podcast with your host Yurik. again I'd like to thank all of my listeners for downloading episode 41 of the grandson of a pastor podcast with your host Yurick and with my powerful brother brother John Banks again we're going to get Brother Banks to come back on uh, to continue some of these conversations again uh, if you'd like to support the Grandson of a Pastor Podcast. You can cash app us at grandson of a pastor. Again, you can also email me any suggestions uh for the grandson of a pastor podcast at edware2020 at gmail.com. Again, it's edware2020 at gmail.com. Again, I'd like to thank Brother Banks for coming on the Grandson of a Pastor Podcast. And before we My let place. it go, we'd like Brother Banks to pray us out.
1: Let us pray. Father, God in heaven, the creator, the heaven and earth and everything within, Lord, we thank you for your love, your grace and your mercy, Lord, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for this technology, Lord, we want to thank you for health and strength, for, for wisdom and knowledge, Lord, thank you for ears and thank you for mouth, Lord God, we pray, Lord, that this grandson of a pastor, Lord, Heavenly Father, brother, where Lord, we pray you enrich in him, empower him, lead him, guide him, protect him, Lord, And Heavenly Father, crown his head with wisdom and knowledge, understanding how to suit and serve thee. Pray that he be a leader, Lord, through this podcast, Lord, and beyond, Lord God. We pray that all of his listeners, Lord, will support him, Lord Heavenly Father, monetarily, Lord, that he may continue this good work, Lord God. We pray for our country. We pray for our communities. We pray for our homes. We pray for our families. We pray for our health. We pray for our strength. We pray for our salvation, Lord God. We pray, Lord, as we pray for Brother word that you bless all of us, all these listeners, financially, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. Lord, forgive us all for our many sins and mistakes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.